everybody, it's your host Fuad, back at it with another banger episode of Shoot Your Shot, Season 2, Episode 8. I can't wait to dive into the content we have covered for you guys today. I am so excited to be covering this year's NBA playoffs. And what better guest host do we have for you guys in store today than my longtime friend and diehard Boston's fan, Connor Hausman. We got him in today for today's episode. Be sure to like, comment, and leave us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're using to get you guys the latest and the greatest on the NBA's landscape. Stay tuned for more episodes, and without further ado, let's get right into the news. Connor here. Connor, uh, say what's up to hey. the people. How's it going? Good to be on Shoot Your Shot. Yes, sir. Finally, we made it happen. It's been a long term in progress, but we're finally here. So, yeah, let's get right into it, man. There's a lot to cover, so I'm excited to get through it. Um, maybe we should start talking about the first round first, the Warriors game six. Uh, the Kings started really bad, honestly. They were like 0 for 3 when they started off. It was 8-0 from the zip. And then, honestly, like, we got the two dynamic guards, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk. They had a horrible game. That's probably why they ended up losing. But, honestly, game six was crazy. Like, the Warriors were also slacking the whole time. And then the Kings still ended up with the win. They had to go back to game seven on the on the road. And then Steph Curry, obviously, we're going to get into that. He went ballistic. He went nuclear. He, had, he dropped 50. Even Draymond said it on his podcast. He did not expect him to go out and get 50, but he knew he wasn't going to let them lose, and that's the important part. But going back to game six, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, the thing with the Warriors is they probably would be, I think they would have been top two seed this season if they could have just figured out how to play on the road. They, you know, when you have the Splash Brothers, Still, I mean, even Steph Curry could argue post peak, but you know, he still plays lights out. He's you know, finals MVP from this past year. Like, you know, that's still within this past calendar year. Of course, Steph Curry still has a good lot in him. A 50 piece maybe a bit unexpected, but still, like you, you don't you don't lose your, your bases even in even in old age. A 50 piece, he was the only guy to ever get it. And just like you said, the Warriors on the road, they were 11 and 30 this season. So the fact that they closed it out on the road without letting Sacramento light the beam at the end of the day, it was crazy. Honestly, Clay didn't help. Wiggins didn't help. They were both eight for 31 at the end. And then Steph dropped 50. So he single-handedly carried his entire team, put them on his back. And then he basically got them towards the second round into that matchup we're going to be talking about the Lakers versus the Warriors everybody's dream matchup LeBron versus Curry one last time in this era you can't believe that they pretty much dominated the playoffs the entire 2010s it was those two going against each other at least the second half and and Clay even said he's excited to play the Lakers because he's played LeBron obviously but in a Cavs uniform many times so it's a much different matchup and man for those Kings you know what a season for them. I mean, Mike Brown, obvious coach of the year, you know, 
broke a 17-year playoff curse in the process. But man, that game four loss has got to sting. 126 to 125. It's got got to stay with Kings fans for a bit, but yeah, that's also the Warriors, man. Yeah, ruthless. They're they're never done until they're done. Ruthless. I think the Kings are going to come back with something improved next season because this season was sort of viewed as they're like, okay, we like did what we want. We accomplished what we thought we wouldn't. We were way further than we anticipated starting this season. But the next thing they're going to come out with something to prove because they know they got this far. They took the defending champs to game seven. But at next season, I feel like they're going to have that chip on their shoulder. They're going to play with something to prove and to show everybody that they're not meant for a first, second round exit. They might even shoot for the conference finals. And who knows, maybe even win the championship and go to the finals. So definitely going to come back with a lot of revenge and something to prove. Hey, Absolutely. And, you know, they have Clutch Man of the Year, De'Aaron Fox. They have Inaugural Award. Malik Mont. They have Sabonis. You know, what a great pickup for them, by the way. Yeah, that was Dang one of the few trades that actually worked for both teams, don't you think? Win-win trade. Yeah. Rarely in professional going sports. crazy on the paces, too. Like, exactly. What season he had. Yeah. I'm sad they, like, missed the playoffs because he got injured towards the last little bit, and then they basically just started tanking after that because they didn't anticipate them being competitive in the first place but then when he just like uh got traded to the pacers he just like unleashed himself he just started averaging 10 assists a game shooting over like 40 percent from three men's was going crazy kings have a lot of be- lot to be proud of and a lot to look forward to for sure um in the meantime the warriors move on though yeah can you believe clay was one for 10 in the first half in game seven I feel like he either shoots like one for 10 or like, I don't know, five for six. Like vintage playoff play. Literally. Game six, K went insane, man. Remember that performance? Wow. Oh, yes. Okay. We can get into the Clippers versus the Suns, another first round matchup that is now closed. That series, honestly, like, the Clippers never really stood a chance. I'm so happy Westbrook proved himself mm-hmm. because he averaged a lot better uh, stats than D'Angelo Russell did for the Lakers in the first round. So it wasn't looking like such a good trade-off at first. But honestly, we don't even have to get into how bad of a fit Westbrook was on the Lakers because we won't stop talking about that. But yeah, um, they have they both had something to prove. He took them as far as he could, but with Kawhi always out... And then PG, just that timing, they never really stood a shot against the Suns. No, I mean, Westbrook may be the only reason, in spite of his three for 19 performance in game one, why they even stood a chance in that playoff series that, as you said, was kind of over before it started, especially with Katie healthy. They they just didn't stand a chance, like we said. Honestly, like Westbrook even had so many chances to like tie it in game five, but he just kept missing layups after layups after proving how much of an asset he was in game one, when we had like the game changing game, uh, preventing uh, the Clippers from, or the Suns from actually winning that game. He had those two defensive stops at the end. And then he went back to being Westbrook, much like a lot of other playoff performers when they go crazy. <clears throat> James Harden, uh, you have an excellent performance and then you disappear the next day. It's so luck dependent too with him. He either goes off or he has like a really bad game. 
which makes sense why Tez averages end up the way they do because they're literally like a bunch of amazing games and then a bunch of very bad games. And then his averages start ending up showing like just a decent star play. But he 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 put in a good word for himself going into the offseason. Honestly, like a lot of teams weren't going to give him a shot after the Lakers, but his relationship with PG, I think, actually revitalized his career. Now he's proving himself to be worth a lot more than a minimum. Uh, whereas if he just stayed bought out by the Utah Jaws, then honestly, I don't really think he would have gotten a better contract or a better deal. Whereas he swallowed his pride, he got bought out, he went with the Clippers, he proved himself in the playoffs. And now I think he actually has a shot at getting possibly like a mid-level exception or even a little bit more. Well, also, I feel like the Clippers are a better fit for what Westbrook would have wanted anyways. You know, Westbrook wants to go to at least a playoff team that has a chance to do something. You know, the Jazz, they were a great young team, had a great start to the regular season. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're a young team. Exactly. You, you know, sort of looking to rebuild. So. It's not really quite as much of a fit for Westbrook. Yeah. Especially at this point in his career. With uh, the the Suns closing out the Clippers, Booker actually cemented a record in NBA history with being the first player to have more than 45 points and 10 assists in a series clinching game. So honestly, Booker and KD have been a lethal dynamic duo for the Suns. They've both just basically been the type of players where you give them the ball and you're like, all right, go get a bucket. And then they do that most of the time. Um, we can get into how KD had a very rough uh, game last game he played. Uh, he shot two for 12 from three. It was very un-KD-like, but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, um, yeah, we can transition on to the Heat and how they closed out the top-seeded Bucks, which a lot of people had winning the entire freaking finals so uh yeah they end up being a first round exit uh you i'm pretty sure everyone has heard of uh, Giannis's response to that reporter when he asked him that season being a failure he went off on him without going off which is actually a skill to be had because he was very respectful and then i'm sure you remember he was about to get personal and then he's like oh i don't mean this personally and then he just kept preaching his message i mean Giannis is a good guy at heart. You can you can tell whether you, you sort of like him or hate him as a player. He's never gonna like berate or insult a reporter. Like he's, I feel like he's pretty real in most of his interviews. I I, I find him to be one of the more likable stars in the league that are not on my Boston Celtics. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. He got a fifty piece when he won in the twenty one finals from McDonald's. He was on his IG live. It's a pretty good uh, feel-good story, especially towards him winning and staying with the same team. So, yeah, super happy for him. Um, really enjoyed his perspective on what it was like to actually go this far and then not win it. He wasn't anything hostile or arrogant. He was super humble, and uh, he preached his message, like I said, without offending anybody, which is actually really harder than it sounds. So. Uh, but back to the game, honestly, Jimmy Butler almost averaged like 40 points that series, man. Like he was what averaging 22 points in the regular season. And then his like playoff points shot up by 13. Like what was that guy on? Playoff. The, um, I don't know. Whatever Jimmy <laughs> Butler takes like every playoffs. Jimmy I mean, Butler. especially if you think back to like the bubble, like the heat to wins. I mean, game six, the Eastern Conference finals. 
you know, he put up, what was it, 46 points? Yeah. 45? No, it was 47 points, nuclear. I believe. He goes nuclear whenever he gets the shot. And then the Heat actually closed out their first. Uh, they split the road series against whoever they're playing now without him, which was like he basically what played the last five minutes just standing in the corner. And then they still closed mm -hmm. that first game out against the Knicks. But honestly, them like actually killing the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round, no one saw that coming. Pretty sure if you bet money on that, you ended up rich, like, as more than you ever thought you would be. So, honestly, like, seeing him just circus shot after circus shot, that shot to take it to OT and then close them out on their home floor, like, that was ruthless, man. Yeah, I will say, I, I think back to, like, probably three or four weeks ago when Richard Jefferson was, like, talking up the Milwaukee Bucks' depth, and I was sort of thinking, like, are you sure about that? Because if Giannis isn't on the floor, you know, Chris Milton hasn't really been himself this year. No. Just kind of the way he's been in past years. Um, you know, who's the guy that's going to take over? Is it, you know, Joe Ingles? Is it Grayson Allen? Is it Jay Crowder, who is a did not play for like two or three of those games? Like, yeah. you just don't have good bench depth and that kind of hurt the box, whereas more. Miami, you know, they're always loaded with players. You know, they, they have a great system under Eric Spolstra. You know, they're a tough opponent for almost anyone. You know, even, even the top teams. I think it's more their mindset. They literally come in with, like, knowing that they have something to prove. And then they always play on it, like, a, that they have a chip on their shoulder. And on top mm -hmm. of that, they always grind. They always get the 50-50 balls. They're dogs when they're out there on the floor. Honestly, like, they have every possession. Their mentality is, like, it's, it's the last possession they're ever going to play. So they make everything count. They've had insane comebacks in, like, the shortest amount of times. They, like, drop 10 points in, like, 90 seconds in the fourth quarter to take that Bucks game to OT and then end up winning it on top of that. So they're very gritty, very blue collar persona where they come out and then everyone's writing them out already because they have the Bucks winning the whole thing. And then Miami just goes out and closes them out. And honestly, that series is going to be remembered forever. I was about to say, they're only the sixth, eighth seed to ever take down a one seed. And the other thing too, is it wasn't just that they like, you know, it was a close seven game series. They won game seven in a thriller. Like it was done in five games and Milwaukee barely won that first game. Like that was extremely lopsided and probably not in the direction that many people, including myself, were anticipating. Yeah. So, and they were the number one you know, seed, 58-24 record, best in the entire NBA, not even just the West Conference. And then guess what? The Heat also eliminated, eliminated them as a first seed in 2020. And now again in 2023. So I think they just have like a target on the Milwaukee Bucks' back, man. They, every time they faced them when they were like not destined to win, they ended up beating them. Mm -hmm. Well, I also feel like even in the NBA, it's true in a lot of American sports leagues, as my Boston Bruins just showed in the NHL. You know, having the best regular season record or 
whatever other regular season accolade you want to come up with never really guarantees that you're going to, you know, win a chip. It's a lot harder to win 16 games than you would ever expect. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because Milwaukee in that very series was leading by 16 in the fourth. And then Miami goes on a 36 to 16 run in the fourth quarter. Like they just pulled that out of nowhere, thin air. They just went out of, came out of a timeout and they were like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to beat this. We're going to close this out in five games. We don't even want to take this back to Miami. We're going to do it right here. And they did that. That's why I say the, you know, it's kind of everyone from the top, from the front office down, but you know, Eric Spolstra has a good system down there. It's not, it's not coincidence that the Celtics have seen them twice in the last three years uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, at least I think. Yeah, absolutely. And now they're giving it to Miami, second round series. Honestly, I didn't have uh, New York coming out of the first round. I'm going to take the L. I definitely thought the Cleveland Cavaliers, their backcourt was just too scary to me. I thought they both could have been all-stars, should have been all-stars, on it, but they just did not play the same way. At least Dar- Darius Garland did his best. He had a better series, in my opinion, than D. Mitch. But honestly, Donovan Mitchell was so streaky. He had like such good games and then horrible games. And then not to even talk about their front court, like I'm pretty sure the game that New York closed them out, both bigs, they literally both didn't have double-digit rebounds. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, how yeah. do you have two guys that are over 6'11 that were deemed as one of the top defenses in the entire NBA across the whole season, and none of them got double-digit rebounds? Like, we have people like Kavon Looney right now getting over 20 rebounds a game. AD is finally getting over 20 rebounds a game. Made out of glass, finally <laughs> broke through that shell, and he's actually embracing being a center. But those two frontcourt guys and Cleveland men, I definitely thought they would show out a lot more. Like the entire team, the backcourt, Karis LeVert being their only wing pretty much. I definitely saw them like being a lot better, like they exhibited themselves to be during the regular season, but they just choked outside of New York. And now Miami's giving it to New York. And yeah, for Cleveland, like, you know, they had the, I believe they had the top ranked defense, your defensive That's- rating coming out of the regular season. And I would have said coming in, to the series oh i trust cleveland's defense more than new york's you know not the, that the knicks have bad defense just the Cavs' defense was that good and yeah their defense wasn't that problematic in the series but i mean the knicks like they just shut them down game game four the Cavs couldn't even put up 80 points it's sad honestly i expected a lot better from them they had a spectacular season People were talking about how much they're finally being competitive again compared to the post LeBron era. And then well, that was their first, that was their yeah, first, exactly. first non playoff LeBron after. playoff run since 1998. Like yeah. we were, we were babies when that happened. Yeah, literally. That's I crazy. was like one year old. But I mean, that, that shows you how much it meant to the Cavs. Like obviously winning a chip with LeBron was super special, but so is, you know, building a young team and trading for, you know, an absolute stud in Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Who will fight to the very end. Has probably one of the best competitive drives in the NBA. Yeah, it's 71. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, he scored 71 in that overtime game. 
in the regular season to help the Cavs maintain their undefeated regular season overtime record. But the Cavs also have a lot to look forward to, like the Kings. Next season, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, I, was, they both... I was literally about to talk about that, and then you took it right out of my mouth. Perfect. I, they both have something to prove next season, and they're going to come out with guns firing. Do you want to talk about the second round now? I feel like we covered the Heat, Clippers, Warriors. Sad life to the Clippers, honestly. I want to kind of ask you if you actually thought that Kawhi wasn't really injured. There's this, like, theory going around that he was never actually injured. He was just going to be there for his sister because of, like, the whole murder trial thing. Do you think that was, oh, like, yeah. Remember, I, w- I texted you about that. Yeah. I I mean, obviously, Kawhi's had a lot of, health, like, injury trouble the last couple of years while he's been Clippers, so, like, it's believable he was injured, but also, like, I mean, considering the nature of the crime, like, and then the his timing. sister was involved in, like, a cold-blooded murder, and, like, yeah, <laughs> Kawhi was out right around the time of her, like, conviction and sentencing. Yeah, so. it's very, like, it's very, pot- like... Also, Kawhi is a quiet dude, so it's hard to get a gauge of where he's at mentally in many cases. And between injuries and that, like, Kawhi's brain may have just been fried. Like, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, these players are human. and For sure. Yeah, you know, he's got to live with the fact that his sister did something horrible, so. No social media presence. Which, I guess in some ways is good, because social media can be toxic t- sometimes, but... Yeah, like you know, you know, even the general public doesn't know what Kawhi's thinking because he's not on social media. Yeah, he's very like private when it comes to that stuff. But yeah, honestly, it's just this theory going around. Kind of, I like it has some legitimacy to it in my opinion, but at the same time, I don't really think that per se he like wouldn't play games because of that. Again. Who am I to know? So spend too much time on it because I just feel yeah. bad for Kawhi and I hope things shake out for him. And I know you as a Toronto fan, obviously wish the best for him too. Yes, uh, Same thing with Kyle Lowry, of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be the champs in 2019. So definitely happy he was there. But honestly, I'd rather take somebody like Jimmy Butler over Kawhi Leonard. Like, this guy is, as we're about to get into right here, perfect subway, because I want to talk about how he basically single-handedly took down the Knicks in their home court in the first round. Like, Manz was literally on a mission from the first round. He was like, oh, you thought you saw me go crazy? Never mind. Let me, like, show you that and then some. And he just decimated the Knicks on their home floor. Which basically brings up that record where the Knicks are like 0-4 when it comes to the, them in like first games, game ones in their arena. Man, mm-hmm. you just embarrassed them. But that's just that's just who Jimmy is. He he loves spoiling the moment for the other teams. Yeah. He likes saying, You th- you think you're gonna win, you think you're gonna celebrate on your home court. I mean, he literally again, he literally did that. In game six against the Celtics last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, he said, You think you're gonna celebrate going to the finals on your home court? Not on my watch, buddy. Yeah. Like he 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 in addition to being one of the funniest guys in the league, just like as a person generally, like 
he's probably one of the fiercest competitors too. And, you know, I remember last year when they beat the Sixers, Jimmy jokingly said they chose Tobias over me. Oh my God. That's not even a joke. That's real. He still says that dude, honestly, like that. Imagine Philly right now with Harden, Butler and Embiid. That would be a finals trip guaranteed, as Chuck would yeah. say. Himself. Now imagine the Phil- the Sixers would be a dynasty if instead of drafting Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz, they drafted Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Just a thought. Yeah, no, we have that legacy brewing somewhere else. Don't worry. <laughs> now, I mean, as we'll talk about later, though, like, yeah. the Sixers... You know, they're they're a good team. They're putting up a good fight right now. And, you know, they were the only team to sweep in round one. So, yeah, they're the only undefeated team as of uh, three hours ago. (laughs) Yeah, so three hours ago. Not anymore. Yeah. That's of three hours ago. Yes. Their first L was like uh, hitting them strong. They're like, oh, we didn't lose. Watch us lose. We'll show you how to lose. You can lose by 30 points. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, but yeah, so I believe, honestly, going back to the Heat versus the Knicks, that the refs were wearing a New York Knicks uniform because it was a lot of calls late game where, for example, when Harden went to scoop up that layup and then the defender just got all ball and it was called an offensive foul on Harden. And then the other call, like four minutes who got, after who that, got the ball? Who got the ball? Um, I don't remember. Somebody swiped it out of his hand, and then Harden. Said Harden. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was Butler. It was Butler. <laughs> I'm so I had to say, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. it was Butler. It's all good. Butler. And then also there was this one play with Bam when he was going over the screen, and that was called mm-hmm. a shot made and the free throw for Hartenstein because he's the one that took the foul. But then mm-hmm. I think that. They should have waved that off because the contact between Bam and Hardenstein happened before the Knicks made that three. But the rest even looked at it and still called it that it was good when Brunson made the three. And then they also took a, a step it further where they put Hardenstein on the line. So they gave the Knicks four points that one possession. And then uh, the Heat had just called the timeout because they were up by seven. And then they also, uh, the Knicks called the first timeout, and then the Heat had to call a timeout because the Knicks tied it. They went on their own 7-0 run with the ref's guidance. So that's my theory. What do you think? I mean, it was sort of weird that an off-ball foul would lead to a four-point play. That just seems very odd to me. And like, like that's kind of a make-it-make-sense moment. It's yeah, like real time too. It's you would have ex- you would have expected that that's like maybe be a side out or something like that, but just like you flat out put Hartenstein, who wasn't even shooting the ball at that point, on the line. That's yeah, they made that's, a, that's the definitely a bizarre call and put him on the line. I'm not like personally a Knicks fan, but like I know Spike Lee on that sideline was just going absolute bonkers because. He saw that run the Knicks went on in the late uh, fourth quarter to basically secure them the dub because, honestly, let's be real. If they did not win that game, going back to the Heat with Jimmy playing at an 0-2 uh, deficit, good luck. 
yeah, no, that 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 was a needed win by the Knicks. I mean, yeah, that that was a that was a weird win for them. Mm-hmm. They they but they needed that though, as you said, because again, like I I would you know the Heat are just not a team that ever gives up, you know, other than maybe the play in game this year because. It was kind of weird because they were only one game worse than the the Nets in terms of standings, but just it's how the playing works. If you're the yeah. seven seed, you gotta play it. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe this that's in the plan that actually came out winning a playoff series. So they made history in their own front. And I think they're gonna keep writing history going through this series and onto the Eastern Conference Finals too. To me, I you're on Boston Celtics. I, it's decently likely, like you know, it's still early, but I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, the Heat are always on a mission. I mean, save for like 2021, where they were just badly outmatched by the Bucks in that round one series they got swept out of. Like they're always there. I mean, year before that in the bubble, they were in the finals and yeah. they took it to six games, even though. Was it Jimmy or Bam wasn't a hundred percent in that? Like yeah, I think it was. Uh, but they still, yeah. But they still made a series. Like yeah, Heat are always a competitive team. I wouldn't be shocked if it's, you know, a rematch of last year in this year's Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Hopefully, it will go to seven games again, so we can get Jimmy Butler in that exact same position, but makes the three rather than sells it to end up taking them to the finals to even make more records, but we'll get there. Oh my gosh. My heart gets that would be, that would be a genuinely like exciting matchup though. It will. And I am curious how the Eastern conference final shakes out. Of course the Knicks, like, you know, I, I trust the heat more than the Knicks. However, you know, Knicks made a huge play picking up Brunson this past off season, you know, their defense shut down the Cavaliers. Like yeah. they could also kind of give a little bit of a surprise to the Heat. Again, I I, I expect the Heat to come out on top ultimately, but I don't know. I, I think it'll be a good series. Yeah, and then Randall getting so benched too in like uh first round, and then also not doing his best against the Heat too. He's not really having a good playoff mm-hmm. run. When he got picked to be an all-star over Brunson, I went ham. I did not think he deserved that. He has, like, decent stats to prove for it, but that's because the team's job is to set him up to get those points, whereas Brunson sets up the rest of the team while getting his own. And then prior to also never being an all-star before, with the trade dynamics and everything, him leaving the Mavs, him getting his own team per se, because the Knicks were looking for a point guard, I believe he proved himself way too much to not end up being selected as an all-star. And then he's actually doing even more to prove his case in these very playoffs. But unfortunately, like we just said, I don't think his team is good enough or for a better word, gritty enough against a team like the Heat where their mission is to go out there and get a scrappy win rather than a relaxed loss or anything amongst that line. Mm -hmm. But honestly... Yeah, um, I think the New York Knicks are having relatively a successful season. They haven't won a first-round matchup since, what, 2000 and something. 
like they're it was in like 2003 spot. yeah 20 years on the dot so they had a pretty good season but going on to the eastern conference finals and the west finals honestly speaking i think a matchup between the heat and the boston celtics would just be on par with the west when ideally speaking you'd get the warriors versus their old teammate in KD and the suns but honestly, with CP3 mm-hmm. going down and things like that, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. But at least we're getting that Eastern Conference uh, rematch where we can see Butler going against uh, a healthy Boston squad. And they're actually some of the two teams that are like still healthy. Hopefully, we won't have many injuries in the rest of the playoffs. But I think that's going to be an Eastern Conference matchup to watch for sure. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how the series play out but i i would guess that would be the matchup and it'll be a good one the heat are really really tough absolutely so let's talk about denver versus the suns there's a lot to kind of go over here there's a lot to get into so many opinions being thrown around about how Jokic has a lot to prove the back-to-back mvp not reigning as of uh today as well actually or even yesterday, yes. yeah. But uh, hey, t- honestly, today, yeah. it was yeah, it was yesterday where he was watching TNT yeah. with his old team, and then he started crying. The comment section was ruthless, man. People were like, "Oh, pity MVP, crying your way to get an MVP." I'm like, "Come on, man! Just because he falls a lot doesn't mean he's like a crier. It's not that soft. He's like a decent player. He won MVP. Come on." No, I, I obviously Jokic earned his earned his bread the last two seasons getting mvp but also you know especially because Jokic was injured but even that aside like it was kind of obvious that joel and b was the pick for mvp this year like there are just so many situations where he keeps the 76ers you know in it like you know they were a 54 win three seed this year you know always threatening in the playoffs whether their coaching helps or hinders them. Like, you know, you've been runner up like the last two or three years. So it was pretty, Yeah, I think it was a pretty clear cut choice this year for Love MVP. And and... Scoring the last two years as well. Deserved it. But yeah. Yep. He was a points per game scoring champion this year as well. Exactly. You know, and like you think for like a center or big guy, like th- that's pretty impressive. Cause usually those types of guys are known for like their defense and like Looney, you know, yeah exactly exactly like you know guarding the guarding the perimeter make sure making sure people can't get to the bucket like like Horford but but and B can also score you know he gets his points a lot (laughs) well if you're the if you're the scoring leader of course but it's you know and then for big he shoots brought like 35 36 percent from three which yeah no just above the very respectable so he he does exactly what's asked of him and, and you know more. yeah and more and if the Sixers end up beating the Celtics like you know be definitely will in spite of not playing game 1 you know which we'll get to like he deserves kudos man he's he's been great so many years absolutely so 2022 2023 Kia MVP Joel Embiid but back to the topic that caused us to go on this tangent. 
uh, Jokic, <laughs> the Jokic yes. Nuggets versus the Kevin Durant led Phoenix Suns. Honestly, this is a hell of a series. I think the second round has a little bit better matchups than maybe the finals even because you have the Lakers versus Warriors, which I'm pretty sure we're not going to have time to get to at the rate we're going. But that's like the matchup that everyone's dialed into right now. And if you're tuning in, keep listening because we're going to talk a lot about that towards the end of this episode. But the first seed going back to Denver has a lot to prove this season because we got Jamal Murray leading the team when Jokic was down. We got Jokic leading the team when Murray was down for like, what, two seasons? He had two back-to-back injuries. So now Murray's coming back with something to prove. He was on TNT after the first game saying, I don't know how much longer I have to keep doing this for you guys to understand that I'm about this. This is how I play. This is me. Uh, I don't think his game two performance was him. He was like 0 for 9 from 3. Oh, but uh, at least he had a good game. Was one, he right? like defended home? He was like point. 3 for 18 from the field. Yeah. Murray definitely can have his lows still, but like, especially post injuries, like Terry and ACLs, nothing that's either. hard to come back from. Yeah. Like, I mean, he missed 18 months, you know, basically a season and a half. You can call it two seasons, honestly. You know, he basically missed a 21, 2021, 21, 22 seasons, more or less. You know, he's basically out for both. That's hard to come back from, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much muscle memory to regain and, all that and you know Jamal Jamal Murray's always been you know very gritty player I mean back in the bubble his him versus Donovan Mitchell trading 50 pieces Jazz versus Nuggets that first round that was such a great series probably one of the better like playoff series in recent memory but yeah obviously like almost three years later he wants to he wants to win he wants to make it to the finals and show like yes the nuggets can do it because i mean i don't know off the top of my head when was the last time the nuggets even won a chip if at all like they're probably not a team that goes far in the playoffs let's find out because like the closest the nuggets have been in recent memory has been honestly in the bubble when they played the lakers you know series was over in five games but you know those nuggets they also came back from two three to one deficits they've never won a championship Wow. No, not even a conference uh, title. I thought they had bet. Yeah, I thought they'd been to the NBA finals before, but I was pretty sure they hadn't won a chip. Yeah, no, not even a conference title. They haven't even won the West. So, I mean, as a one seed, you have so much to prove there. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, Jokic has something to prove. Jamal Murray, I mean, MPJ, you could argue the same thing. Yep. Because it's kind of that same core. Yeah, um, I honestly think I've talked very, to you about this before. I think Michael Porter Jr. is just as good as Jason Tatum. That's my hot take of today's episode. He has the length, he has the shooting prowess. I think if you gave him his own team, like Jason Tatum has his own team, I think MPJ would flourish. He would just go crazy. He'd take like as many shot attempts as stars do 25 to 30 shots a game. Because you have to mm-hmm. keep in mind, he's putting up like 15 shots max. That's like him shooting like 35. Like that's JT shooting over 30 shots a game if you were a star. And then he's getting like 10 to 15 shots a game. So you can only capitalize that much on that many shot attempts in the NBA being defended, especially in the playoffs. Honestly, I have, I think he, possesses that skill set to be just as good as JT 
But yeah, that's my hot take of today's episode. No, that's fair. But regardless, the Nuggets have a lot to prove. It was very interesting because you mentioned Jamal Murray's shooting stats. Like, it was just no offense that game, too. Yeah. I mean, most of the game. I mean, I remember, I think I tuned in very late in quarter two. It was like 37 to 36. And there was like three minutes and change left in the second quarter. That was just, it was just brutal shooting for most of that game. But, you know, I guess the Nuggets as a one seed found a way to take the dub. Obviously, you mentioned KD going two for 12 from three. Horrible. So bad. Like, he shot 10 for seven the whole game. It's so unlikely. Like you just can't you just can't have that from your stars, especially if you're like playing. I mean, the Nuggets were one of the best offenses this year. You know, I know the Suns had quite a run at the end of the year, but you know, before it's, they got honestly, KD. It's kind of like the Lakers versus Warriors. They have very two different systems, but they both produce such good results. So in this case, it's like Phoenix versus Denver. So Denver has like pretty much Golden State Warriors offense in which you give the ball to Jokic and then everyone's running plays. Everyone's cutting back door. Everyone's going off screens. People are always moving around the ball, which is super tough to guard, right? Whereas Phoenix, mm-hmm. on the other hand, is a very top-heavy team because they traded away their depth to get KD. So now they have their one-two punch in KD and Booker. And then a 38-year-old point guard who, before he got injured, was actually doing really well. Chris Paul was running all over the court, man. Like, he kind of reminded me of Lob City Chris Paul. He was, like, trying to get loose balls. He was, like, uh, plucking bigs before they went up on the rim. He was getting very crafty steals. Kind of, like, reminding me of 25, 27-year-old Chris Paul at 38. That tells you the drive he has to want to win. But unfortunately... I think people put Phoenix, including myself, a little bit too high up because of that top-end heavy talent that they possess. They have the potential to go to the finals, but other than Torrey Craig, I really don't think they have anyone that can take them there because you look at Denver, they're a very deep team. They have people that can go three deep in every position, and then they have a back-to-back MVP in Jokic. On top of that, they have an all-star caliber player in Jamal Murray. And then that one-two uh, game with Jamal Murray and Jokic, it's super tough to guard because they can both shoot threes. They can both shoot mid-ranges. They can both like dribble and find other open players. And they can both go to the hoop. So it's you have to guard like five, six, seven, 20 options in one possession as a defense. That gets really tiring, especially when you're top-heavy like the Phoenix Suns. You get KD Booker trying super hard on offense defense that they won't have that much juice to provide on offense and you know you gave away Mihail Bridges earlier in the season he was one of your key defensive pieces the best you know. defensive player I think he's going to make the first team easily he'll definitely he'll definitely make first team I, I'm just saying one of the best defensive players in the league certainly at the time he left Phoenix's best defensive player mm-hmm. you know especially with Aiton kind of Bro, not really playing up to his potential. He's so right, well. Soft we can we five. can talk about that on another episode. He's so soft for five. Like, did you see that viral clip when KD was trying to get the rebound and block Jokic, and he was just standing there under the rim doing nothing? Like, what are you doing? 
Get the freaking rainbow. I mean, but- You're just standing under the rim doing nothing at 6'11", 7 feet? And that's like so polar opposite to two years ago when he made that incredible like putback shot or like putback dunk to the Clippers in the in the Western Conference Finals and get Phoenix. You know, I think that was what like game five to put the Suns up like three to two, I believe, or maybe it was earlier in the series. But mm-hmm. like that was, but they the Suns won one hundred four to one hundred two that game, and that was kind of a defining moment where yeah. it was like. You know, Aiton helped them reach the finals, but now he fished them out. I wouldn't say that. It's crazy. He's our age too. Like I'd be playing 2K at night, and then he comes on to my servers, bro. He literally logs on to the same parks that I'd be playing 2K in. And then me and my buddy like text him and try to talk to him. And he responded to my friend. He literally DM'd my friend back on Xbox. (laughs) Like he doesn't take his craft as serious. Like, he doesn't have that Kobe mentality. You don't even have to. Like, Kobe's, like, the premiere of the best. You can, like, either have, like, I don't know, like a Kawhi mentality where when you are playing, at least go all out. Don't, like, watch people get rebounds when you're the rebounder on the floor. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know, obviously the Suns have a chance to beat the Nuggets, but those Nuggets are going to be hungry, too. I, I think yeah. it'll be. I could see this series being a tight battle. I don't think the Suns will. Oh no, they won't go fold. down without Especially a fight. Back at home, they they don't have CP3. I think Monty Williams, he's the coach of the year a couple of years ago. He's gonna come out with a very, very, very focused plan. He's gonna make every adjustment he needs to. He's gonna put that mindset in his team to battle. And then I don't even think he needs to farm that mindset that deep because he has star players like Katie. Katie's not gonna fold. I think he's gonna go for like 30 plus nights game easily. Like you can oh, put Katie, Katie's on. a former champ. Yeah. Of course, of course he's gonna he's gonna do something crazy either game three or game four. Yeah. I I'd say more likely game three, because if you go down three to nothing, that's kind of game over for your team. Yeah, you don't wanna but, do that. But, it is as the bucks showed in 2019 amongst others you don't gotta tell me right there (laughs) (laughs) i knew you'd like that one though yes sir but yeah honestly man i think this series is very tight we got people having like the best games like harden just did right like you had uh jamal murray just detonating in game one he went crazy and then in game two, he shot what? He he shot 0 for 9 from 3 and 3 for 15 from the field. Like 3 for 15. I thought it was 3 for 18, but still 3 oh, for yeah, 15 is rough. It, it was 3 for 18. Yeah, I didn't update it. But yeah, no, like shooting 0 for 9 from 3, especially when you had 40 plus prior game. Like, what are you doing, bro? That's crazy. Speaking of, uh, speaking of good Western Conference Finals matchups, the most anointed matchup of them all, Warriors Lakers. How yeah. about it? What a segue! That, Good stuff. Um, that was, a, a nice um, little stat I want to throw out there is actually Steve Kerr, twenty-one and four in career game ones, best of all time. Best of all time. There's no other coach that has that many wins and that few L's in game one, and it was twenty-one and three. Well, it was something in three until the Sacramento Kings actually made the Warriors fold in game one. 
Isn't that like the war, the Sacramento Kings took them to the brink. Steph Curry went nuclear, like we discussed, but Steve Kerr's coaching, man. I think that's going to be the differentiator between him against Darvin Ham and the Lakers, because just like we alluded to earlier, I think they have very different games. I think the Warriors are definitely going to try to beat them from behind the three-point line. They have a premier rebounder in Looney, but the problem is the Lakers match up with them way too well on the inside, but then also flip that coin around and then they can't match up with the Warriors from the outside. That's why it can literally go anyone's way. I would probably give the edge to the Golden State Warriors because they're this year's defending champs. They have uh, a really good team. They have really good defenders in Gary Payton, Andrew Wiggins, Dante DiVincenzo. And then at the same time, even though LeBron at 38 is still going really strong and is definitely one of the best players in today's league, especially at that age, I just don't think Anthony Davis is going to step up to the plate. You can call that my second hot take of today's episode, but honestly, I think AD won't have as good of a performance going forward in this series like he did in game one. Mm -hmm. The other thing with LeBron too, you know, he's having such a great playoff run, but he's what, seven for 42 from three? Like, like, let's not pretend like that isn't making... Like, that's making a difference for sure. Like, and that's never a good sign, especially if you're the king. Like, just be typical for him, too. Like, you know, he's, he's, getting, he's getting old and all that. But still, like, you expect more from LeBron, especially playoff LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, the Lakers are only there in the playoffs, large part because, you know, they have the king. So it's kind of, it's a little bit of a catch 22, but I think the main issue for the Lakers, as you said, is if the Warriors sort of force their hand and say, Hey, let's just like take a bunch of threes, you know, and let's have the games be decided that way. I mean, if you're the Warriors and you're like, Hey, let's, you know, put up 52 three point attempts and we're going to make like 40% of them. That's kind of tough. The, war- the Lakers don't have as many good three-point shooters. Not even close. A lot of their guys are get more of their scoring, you know, in the paint or inside, inside the arc. You know, it's it's just not good news for them. Um, but it'll definitely be an interesting matchup. The Lakers have, you know, they're only three years removed from a championship. Yeah. As much as everyone likes to forget that, but they have their DNA still in AD and LeBron, but it's actually crazy that they don't have any of the other players that were there. For example, uh, we got KCP in Denver, and we got all other players like spread out across the league. We got Kuzma in Washington. I didn't. I don't think they kept anybody from that core. Like we got Dwight Howard playing in what China now. So like it's only yeah, he's LeBron. In Taiwan. And, yeah, exactly. We only got LeBron and AD, but don't underestimate LeBron's mentality, especially his championship DNA, his playoffs. Uh, performances but I think the Warriors are just not gonna fold they got past the Kings which are ideally a better team when you actually look at it from a personnel standpoint especially the way they ran their offense Sabonis is a lot like uh, Jokic right so he doesn't just sit there and watch stuff happen he makes plays at the center position 
So I think their ball movement and then the way they share the ball, they have more assists on more points generated. I think that's going to catch up to the Lakers because as much as we'd like to think they are a deeper team, they only got Rui coming off the bench doing well. And then Dennis Schroeder is very hot and cold. And then we won't get into mm-hmm. Google because he's the definition of hot and cold. And then I, just people like Van Man, they don't really have the offensive talent to take them to that next level at the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. And then you have like the hype train of Austin Reeves, but you yeah, know. That's why I didn't mention him. He's actually doing it's well. It's the <laughs> But like, you know, he he can also go cold. Like, you know, Austin Reeves is still a very young player. Mm-hmm. You know, still has a lot of areas to develop. Like, yeah, he's been playing well, but you know when you're when you're that young especially for like you know a game seven in the playoffs you know it might be harder to get your crazy three-pointers he is very you know, long those so i wouldn't put it past him especially at his maturity level but you're right so i think lakers will put up a good fight they're they're not going to go down without you know, a good fight, and obviously the Lakers won game one, so clearly that's not the case, but even though they came out starting one for eight from the field, and they basically didn't make any threes that whole game, I think they were I don't have the stats, but they basically made less than five threes I think that whole game and then you also got Vanderbilt playing really good defense on Curry, which was part of the reason that they held him to like 27 and under. So honestly, it's super like it could go anybody's way, but I'd give the edge to the Warriors because honestly, even though Poole had his first breakout game of the entire playoffs, they still lost with the Lakers just dominating them on the inside. So I think Kerr is going to come out with those defensive rotations better. He's going to implement those adjustments. And then I think he's also going to change the matchups. I think he's going to put Wiggins on LeBron and then Looney. I'm not sure if he can keep up with Anthony Davis because he's a lot slower than him. So honestly, I think he might experiment with Draymond Green on AD. And then... I think he's just going to keep trying players until he finds that proper fit. And once he does that, it's just going to steamroll past the Lakers, in my opinion. I think so, especially when you're shooting over 50 three-point attempts in game, you land about 40 of them, or 40% of them. You should be winning those games. Exactly. Um, you know, yeah, I think the Warriors will find out. Because the Lakers yeah. literally had 10 blocks versus the Warriors 3 that game. So, like, I don't think that's going to keep happening. You know, like, Kerr has a lot better coaching expertise to that particular team because he's been coaching them for a long time now. So he knows how to delegate and assign those defensive rotations. He knows how to have Draymond be that captain on that defensive end and then give the keys to Curry when when you flip the ball and go on the offensive end. And then, honestly... I think it's going to go to six games, maybe seven, but I think the Warriors are going to come out. I think I think you're probably right, but, I mean, man, you have, you have vets on both sides that really want to win a chip. You know, you have LeBron and AD versus 
Splash Brothers, you got Curry, you got Clay, you got Draymond. What a matchup. Insane. It, I, I can understand why Clay's been wanting that matchup the entire like his entire career. You know, yeah. especially like playing a team as historically great as the Lakers, you know, with you know, generational talents like LeBron, like yeah. Must mean the world's them. So I also now think we got we got great because like the Warriors have such an ability to go on extended runs. Like they had that 14-0 run in the fourth quarter to tie the game. And the Lakers just barely stayed on, on top. You know, they barely kept afloat. And then with those threes, that barrage coming in, like you just said, I think it's just a lot easier for the Warriors to end up maintaining leads once they get them. Because they were just, let's be honest, they were way too tired from that Sacramento Kings Game seven, they didn't have as much rest as the Lakers, and the Lakers barely edged out with that win. Some fun stats for you, too, is that that's the first time in NBA history where three teammates have over six threes each, and then that team ends up losing that game. And it's also the first game in NBA history, like you told me the other day, where one team made 15 more threes than 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 the team who won because the team who won had 20 more free throw attempts so you can see the obvious underlying strategies for both teams here and then you also have the lakers making history of course the first time in nba history where two players have over 20 points 10 rebounds five assists and three blocks in the same game I want to take this chance to thank you all for sticking to the end of today's episode please leave me a review five star rating and tune in to our next episode. Until then, it's your host, Fouad, and I'm out. Peace.